Welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Selden. Hey, you fabulous interior design professional. When was the last time you thought about putting yourself in the client's shoes? If you haven't thought about that in a while, you're going to think about it with this episode because we have a beautiful guest, Ashida Chada, who is from Bangalore, India, and she's going to talk about how that has helped her build really a huge business for herself. And the exciting part about this story is there was almost no competition when she first launches her interior design business. It's kind of a new... Hang on, I have to take this. It's my daughter FaceTiming from Portugal. Yeah, so good. Sorry about that. It's very exciting. She's been unemployed a short time. She got laid off. She was working for her. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. She got a new job, which is super cool. And once the paperwork signed, I can, I'll tell you all about it. But that was exciting. Uh, and uh, now I'm going to get back into the show. And Ashada Chada who's been in business now more than a decade and is building really what amounts to an empire. And so we're talking about empathy. We're talking about anticipating what our clients need from us in order to feel safe during a renovation or a decorating process because they're vulnerable, right? We have their money. We have taken over their space. It can feel really disconcerting and uncomfortable, but by anticipating their concerns, and getting ahead of them, letting them know this is what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen next. This happened today and this is going to happen tomorrow. We can circumvent some of that uh, you know, discomfort for our clients, which is really important. And then, of course, because now she's building a, a larger experience center with many employees, Ashta is also going to share how she's putting herself in her employee shoes to figure out what kind of a culture is going to keep them employed for a long time, because that's what we want too. If we make that higher, how are we going to turn our business into a place that you want to stay with for a long time, right? There's lots of places an employee can work. There's lots of places an independent contractor can work. What am I going to do to make sure that it's sticky once I hire them? So it's a good conversation to have. It's a great conversation to have. You're definitely in the right place. And if you want to know more information about Ashta and her business, you can go to the website, which is thecarrygars.com. T-H-E-K-A-R-I-G-H-A-R-S.com. And if that's too much for you right now because you're driving or you're distracted, you're on the treadmill. I was talking to someone who said, I listen to your podcast every morning on the treadmill. That's amazing. Uh, Don't worry. Go to businessofdesign.com and all the information is there, including how you can find Ashta on Instagram, which I'm going to do right now so I don't forget. I'm so glad you're here and let's check in quickly with Cheryl and then get into this cool episode. My daughter got a job. I'm so excited. Well, that's exciting. Congratulations to Raleigh. Uh, Jumping over to BOD. Uh, Less than a week to go to get in on early bird 
pricing for the BOD 15 seminars that we're running in October. So if you're interested, we still have tickets for Toronto happening October 4th and 5th and Winchester for those in the DC area on October 25th and 26th. These seminars are two days, very intensive, where you're going to learn the specific detailed systems, protocols, and strategies that we teach at Business of Design to successfully run projects, improve your profitability, and satisfy clients. And all of this happens through learning and implementing the BOD 15-step project management strategy. So if you're ready for two days uh, intensive learning, you're going to learn the full system and get ready to implement as soon as you leave those seminars. So we hope that you will join us, head to the web, uh, the website rather to register. And again, early bird pricing is ending on July 31st. So please make sure you register and get in on that. And then of course, members are gonna save an additional $200 on those tickets. And then I also wanna say a big thank you to all of our current and past members who recently participated in a survey that we did about BOD membership. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've gone through all of the results and your feedback has been enormously helpful. We know that you want more uh, community engagement and accountability, a little more structure when it comes to moving through all of the program content. We know there's a lot within BOD membership and uh, it's important that we work with you to move through the programs, courses, and modules and hold you accountable to not just learn the systems, but then turn around and implement. Just like we always say that, you know, running an interior design business is 80% business, 20% creative. It's the same thing within BOD membership. You know, learning the systems is really only 20%. Uh, the implementation is 80. And that can take a long time, as long as projects themselves take in order to implement the BOD 15 and BOD business models within real projects in real time. So we are working to implement changes based on your feedback. And again, we can't thank you enough for that information. And we are looking forward to some of the changes to come. So watch for those. It's a great time to become a member of Business of Design. And if you have any ideas or feedback that you still want to share, I am always available. Please reach out to me, Cheryl, at businessofdesign.com. Thank you so much for listening and being part of our community. Take care. So we're just going to launch in and uh, see where the conversation goes. Absolutely. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you. And tell everybody uh, where you're from, Ashida. Hi, I'm from Bangalore, India, and I run uh, an interior design company here in Bangalore. We do luxury residential interiors here in Bangalore. We were sharing before we hit record that I have been to India only once, and I'm trying to imagine what life would be like as an interior designer in India. Now, I didn't go to Bangalore, so I'm assuming that's just a huge city, densely populated. Are they are they more of um, private homes, townhomes, condominiums? What's the mix like? So, um, like you rightly said, this is the Silicon Valley of India. So a lot of influx, actually Bangalore was originally called the Garden City because uh, it was very, very laid back. It was like the retirement 
different city of India before IT came over and took over. And then once, so it was known Garden City because the whole city was beautiful. It's actually on a plateau. So it has gorgeous weather all through the year. It's it's absolutely gorgeous weather. Once you live in Bangalore, you can't live in any other city in India, believe me. Oh. Because there are no extreme temperatures. Right. So... And then it it was full of these beautiful gardens and nooks and corners of the city. And once IT came in and all these companies came in, a lot of people kind of, you know, started coming into the city, obviously for work. And then the whole architecture and infrastructure kind of couldn't handle the growth and the influx of the people. So, yeah, that is a little messed up right now. Uh, but uh, so mostly condominiums of course because we are running out of space the city has grown so much and what was like another outskirts of the city is now part of the city and right. stuff like that's a lot of mostly condominiums but a lot of also um you know villas we call it here the individual houses here uh, but mostly condominiums yeah very cool and i'm trying size wise how large are typical like what's a small condominium and then what's a larger size condominium i'm just thinking a lot of us will be comparing it to places where we live Okay, so I think a, a two-bedroom condominium would be somewhere around um, 1,500 square feet. Okay. Would be, yes, and, and then a three-bedroom would be something somewhere around 1,800 to 2,200. But um, a larger one would be around, and if it's a duplay, it'll be 3,000 plus square feet. Uh, a larger condominium would be somewhere around 2,800. And then the villas, which are mostly duplays, they would be uh, anywhere between three to five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand. The high ends could be ten thousand square feet as well. Wow! Yeah. So if I compare Mumbai, it is it is actually huge because Mumbai is is crammed up. There's no space. So people who come into Bangalore from from Mumbai. They feel you're living in palaces, believe me. That's amazing. So that I, those, those are sizes I think a lot of us can relate to. So now we can sort of visualize what that's like. And we talked uh, prior to recording also about the fact that you have a, an ability to kind of put yourself in the client's shoes. And that gives you an advantage as a design professional. So that's what we wanted to talk about. Why is it important for us to put ourselves in the client's shoes? What can we learn? You know, a part of my, I'll share, I have to share a little bit of my own story and how we started this company because that will give you the, the background of why I say I can do this personally. So, um, you know, we actually started this company after we did the interiors of our own home and we realized, and this is like long back, I'm talking about 15 years back. And um, we realized that, of course, the interior design industry was much smaller in India. People were not open to uh, getting interior designers on board. They thought it's a luxury and not a necessity. I think that has changed right now. But there was so much unprofessionalism in this industry, especially because it's a labor-intensive industry in India, because a lot of work was still done by the carpenters, not automated in the factories and modular and stuff, right? That all is very new. So 
lot of unprofessionalism, you know, people kind of just ghost you. So you have set up everything for your housewarming. You've, you're living in a rented space. And then, you know, you are kind of uh, inviting all your parents, your uh, relatives, you book tickets for them. And then, you know, end of the day, the work is not over. The guy just ghosts you. He's not available on calls. You don't know what to do. And then you uh, go mad. So we faced all of this when we did our own interiors of our first home. And then we said, you know, like I think I also mentioned, um, I would say my superpower is, <laughs> you know, trying to innovatively solve problems. And I said, you know, my husband and I actually founded this company together. And we said, how can we solve this? It cannot be so painful, you know, especially in India. It's a big thing for people to buy their own homes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in our previous generation, uh, our parents actually took like everything they bought homes only after they were around 50. Mm-hmm. They, they could afford it only at that time. Even now, it's a huge dream for people in India to have their own homes. And then if, if it's like, you know, you make like two or three homes in a lifetime maximum, and then you it's like such a huge dream for anyone. Mm-hmm. And the whole process of decorating it and getting it done up in the way you like, why does it have to be so painful? And that is when we said, no, let's change this story for people. Let's get professionalism. Let them enjoy the process of building it as much as they should enjoy living in it. I think everyone is relating to that. Although it sounds like it was extreme in terms of the, you know, trades kind of disappearing on the clients. I can't, that would be so stressful. And that was happening a little bit in 2007, 2008 in North America. It was so busy with such a boom that if the trades weren't having a good time on your job, they would just get an offer from, you know, somebody two blocks down that was better and they would just leave and go to that other job site. And the feeling of vulnerability at that point for people must be incredibly intense. So you and your husband say, this is impossible. People, this is not right. We're going to do, we're going to do this better. So how, how did you launch yourself? What was it like finding your first client? How did that work? Oh, you know, I think just like starting any, any other of business when you become entrepreneurs then you are actually you think you are ready to <laughs> take on whatever comes across it has been of course a difficult journey i would say obviously a roller coaster ride but so so rewarding in fact um you know uh, my husband actually stood in front of the home loan departments of banks because he knew if somebody is bought a home and they are here to or they are thinking of buying a home this is the place most people would be and he would give pamphlets to those kind of people coming out of those banks so he's done all of that to get clients that's yeah. you no know, I think that's really innovative and I I just wonder for you know speaking for myself I never had to work that hard to get a client like imagine standing out in front and just handing out pamphlets but what a smart place to stand a lot of people are thinking about the client pipeline these days and just the fact that how far you were willing to go to get customers is inspiring that's cool all right so he he did that he was handing out these pamphlets 
Yeah, so, you know, we kind of divided it. So I was handling the clients and once basically he was handling sales and marketing and I was handling the execution and the designing and stuff. So that is how it would be. And uh, so, it, of course, it was difficult at first, but uh, we didn't have an office to showcase we didn't we actually were going to our clients homes and we used to say you know we used to carry all our catalogs everything our boots of our cars were just full of that because we said to our clients we are giving you home service because obviously we didn't have a space to showcase or even enough money to you know invest into a into a space where we could set up an office and then uh, so you know we've seen all of that but we've also seen the journey of um, you know starting from there and then the first office was maybe around 550 square feet and then now last year we we opened up a, the first experience center of its kind and it's around 10,000 square feet spread over four floors wow that's amazing have you met other interior designers because of that other have other professionals kind of come to your experience center and said this is so great it's going to change my life so um, a lot of people who, who who have never heard about us and they walk into the experience center, they are just like in awe. So many of them, they say, oh my God, we didn't even know something like this existed in Bangalore. So it just, you know, we just have to make sure. So now our marketing basically is making sure people just walk in the space because we know the time, just the moment the client walks in, they, they are sold. Uh, incredible, incredible. Everybody's, I'm sure, feeling very inspired. So talk about that then, how you put yourself in the client's shoes. What are the things that you tap into uh, to, to get into the vibe of, I'm feeling what my clients feel and this is the pain point I'm going to solve? I think for us, the first thing we kind of realized and solved was communication. You know, um, we we realized that clients are, you have to build that trust with your clients, right? How do you build it? The clients are so busy. They don't know what you exactly are doing in their homes because they are busy with their work and stuff. They want to come and visit the site. Sometimes over the weekends they can, sometimes they can't. So we actually started sending them photographs with updates of what was especially especially clients who don't live in Bangalore. We have a lot of clients who are living in the US. They have a home here, which they've kind of invested in. They want to rent it out or maybe they bought it for their parents. And, you know, everything is done online. How do they actually know what's happening? So we started with breaking that down and saying, we have to have good, great communication where the client is updated of everything happening at their site with photos, with videos, because then, they can actually be at peace. You know, if you don't know what is happening, it's not a great space to be, right? So we made sure before they ask for it, we give it to them and we say, this is the plan. This is what you have to do. This is because they don't know the nitty gritties. They don't know what they, what to even expect. You know, how will they don't know what my team is actually going to do? The, the, the designer is going to create, you know, 2D diagrams and then we are going to do 3D and then they are going to do production drawings. They have no clue what all of this is, right? right. But we can give them a plan so that they just know what to expect and 
when all we need their interventions. So we need you guys for the 2D designs. So you have to block days for that. We need you guys for the material selection. So you have to block, block days. We need you guys for the shopping when we take you out to select your handles and your lights and your curtains and your decor. So we tell them way in advance what their next three months, four months, six months is going to look like. And they also know what exactly is happening. So, you know, they don't really, of course, they can if they want to, but they don't really have to come to see what exactly is happening. And I think that has solved so many problems for us because this, I like I said, this is exactly what we faced and I have been in the customer's shoes. I know how it feels. So for us, I think communication solved the biggest problems. And I think you hit on the most important part of that, which is you have to answer their questions before they ask. We know what is stressful about renovating. We know what is scary about people in your home, especially if you're not around, to check on the progress. So anticipate that and get them communication in advance. And I love that you send videos and and uh, regular updates in that way. It's so smart, right? Just if you're constantly feeding them, here's what's happening, they can relax and trust you and you build trust that way. That's incredible. Okay. Give us another, give us another example then of putting yourself in the client's shoes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I always uh, tell my designers now um, when they get stuck because uh, the client has looked at so many images on Instagram or Pinterest and, you know, uh, they have this whole, now people are such much more aware of what they want, how it, they want it to look like, right? But um, the, the designer is uh, basically a little... Um, stuck because it's difficult for the client to know how to marry aesthetics with functionality. Mm -hmm. They only see beautiful pictures. They don't know what problems it would create if they do this and the functionality is not there. So, you know, I sit with the client or this is what I tell my designers, you know, you have to actually sit with them and tell them this is exactly what you'll face if you don't have this functionality. And, you know, I have a beautiful um, picture which I kind of share with the clients. If uh, And I say, you know, it's like those beautiful looking pumps which look so gorgeous. And then you buy them at that you know point because of your because you love them so much and then you step into them and you can't survive a night right <laughs> so something, something looks so gorgeous and aesthetic you will maybe only like it for some time but what really it needs to do has to be functional because that is going to last you if you have no you have a day in which you're visiting a place and you're walking whole day you know you're going to be in your sneakers because you need that comfort right right so that's what i i think i kind of explain to them because and then you know they need to really understand and we also understand what they want exactly what is it that they like in this aesthetic how can we marry that and the next thing I feel is you know getting it to the smallest details for example you know we kind of ask the clients do you have parents uh, like if you're designing a parent's bedroom right do you you know are they 
do they have any lifestyle diseases what are their likes dislikes because then we create drawers extra drawers for you know medication to be stored we ask the mm-hmm. clients do you guys like to store hang stack do you wear a lot of shirts or do you you know you are in a corporate do you wear a lot of saris because your wardrobe internal and the way your kitchen internals are designed is so important because that is what you're going to use every day you know the aesthetics you'll just get bored of it and it'll become a part of you after a certain while but this is what is most important that you don't spend so much time looking for things because we have created a space for everything in your I need to add that to my list of questions. Do you like to stack or hang or drawers? I I never do that. I kind of do, I provide a mix, but it's never occurred to me to say, how do you like to, you know, do you hang your pants fully extended or do you fold them over in half and hang them? Because that's a different amount of closet space and a different setup. I, I learned so much on this show. This is so cool, Ashta. I love that. So, you said that you have now designers, other designers who work for you. So you guys started on your own, having to like hand out pamphlets pamphlets in front of the mortgage office to get new clients. How many designers do you have now? How big is your company? So we are around 45 uh, right now. Wow. Good for so, you. Wow. Yeah, we have a sales team who basically, you know, of course, talks to the client with the initial costs, estimates, understanding furniture layouts, and once the client is locked, then it goes to the to the designers who will actually sit and design their home. Then there is a 3D team who basically does the renderings on 3ds Max. Then there is also an execution team, the execution managers who actually are into the operations. They manage the sites. And of course, then we have admin HR, finance, all of that as well. It's really exciting. Exciting! It must be um, it must be thrilling to be in on the ground floor of something that's really an explosion, right? This new this new service that now people are becoming used to. Absolutely, and you know what, Kimberly, I have enjoyed the change of roles that I have had over the years because you know once you are a founder I think you have to wear or an entrepreneur you kind of have to wear all kinds of hats and you know from being a designer talking to clients I took a a sabbatical per se when my kids were younger and um, I was handling the finance of the company because I could do it at my leisure at my home at my time and stuff and then I came back and then we had a bigger team now I've taken up an the role of strategy and growth and culture building, um, you know, making sure that the experience which we are building is not only for our customers, it's also for our employees because now, see, we understand we can only do so much when we want to do, we are do, we are the only two or three or four people doing it. But if we want to scale and we want to extend this service to more number of people, we have to build a team. So how how culture plays a role? So you know the way my own role has evolved with me over the years. It's just so beautiful, and I feel I've got what I really wanted at that point and stage in my own life. I had a really cool experience this year, at the beginning of this year 
uh, working with Kohler Company, the Kohler brand, and they have yeah. some really innovative ways that they create culture within their corporation, within the people who work for them. You know, everything by letting people switch departments and weigh in on something that's not their you know, line of expertise to setting up these laboratories where you can come and work with waste product and figure out how to repurpose it and make it new. Like it was just really interesting. And in the, the topic that we are on today, where you're talking about putting yourself in the client's shoes, you can translate that and you can say, I'm going to put myself now, I'm going to put myself in my employee's shoes and see what it would matter. So really what we're saying is just being able to empathize with that other person's journey is a good skill to cultivate in life. Absolutely. I absolutely have to agree. I think the most important point I tell my people is, uh, you know, just try to listen to the life story of the person sitting in front of you when you're designing. I think that is the most important because you get to know so much about, you know, who they are from the way their lives has been, have, you know, where they've traveled, where they lived. There will be a part of all of that in them and that is what they would want to showcase in their homes. So if you are able to really connect to that life story, I think that is when you just, you know, you just got it right. Because then you know what exactly the client is and how to express that through your designs in their homes. Right. You're, you're, you're allowing them to put forward their most authentic self in their home, which what could be better than that? Ashida, this was an incredibly interesting conversation. I'd love to have you back another time and learn more about your business. Um, You know, we like to end every episode with design intervention, which is just, could be, it doesn't have to be related to today's topic. It could be any piece of great business advice that you've picked up along the way. Okay. Uh, not not necessarily related to design. No, it doesn't have to be related to this at all. No. Okay. Business advice for me is, um, you know, um, the you always. I think we are we are at that particular conversation also. Just what is the experience that I'm creating for everybody who comes in touch with that brand, which I'm trying to build, whether it is your client, whether it is your housekeeping staff, whether it is your employees, whether it is someone just walking down the road, looking at your building, what is the experience that you're trying to build for any person coming? So think of your brand like a person and a character and what is it that you would want that character to exude i think when i think of it like that it's just it just puts all the pieces together as a founder as an entrepreneur as a designer everything just kind of comes together and i'm able to see the whole bigger picture it's uh, it's almost like i mean you're looking for consistency right you're looking for that character i like how you describe that the person's personality or character you're looking for that to be consistent across every single touch point I was on a a job site recently and I had to give some paperwork to the client and I had this ratty manila envelope and I was going to put the paperwork in. And I looked at the ratty manila envelope and I'm like, 
am I going to do, is this really who I am? Is this really what my brand stands for? So I'm like, no, slow down, get a decent folder that has a logo on it. That's what you give the paperwork away in. And it costs a little bit of money, but then there's not inconsistency in terms of the touch points of my brand. So that's great advice. Thank you so much. I, I hope one day to return to India. I, I didn't get to Bangalore. There's lots of places I didn't get to. It's a very big country, but I just found it so exotic and interesting. And I just was fell in love with the colors and oh, the food. Oh, please. The food is spectacular. It was a beautiful country. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. I had a lot of fun chatting with you and wishing you a great day ahead. And I hope to meet your husband one day. Congratulations to you both. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ashda. Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life.